family? How are we doing this morning? You've had plenty of time to wake up. You are the 1115 service. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, good morning? Yeah, now turn to the other neighbor you ignored and say, hey, I'm glad to see you too. <laughs> All right. Hey, didn't Brandon do a great job with that announcement video? I love it. Awesome. Awesome job. Well, my name's Cody, and I am the Connections Pastor here. Um, I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to speak with you today. If you're not familiar with what Connections is, that means that if you are a first-time guest or you've been a first-time guest, I'm the one that left that shriekingly loud voicemail on um, your phone. Uh, so I get to connect with our first-time guests and serve alongside our incredible Connect team who greeted you this morning and also be a part of our small group ministry and I just think it's a really exciting time to be at New Life, honestly. God's doing some amazing things with the launch of our young adults ministry and the launch of our discipleship program. I just feel like we're growing and building so much. Like, this is a spring break Sunday, and look around. I mean, it's an incredible crowd this morning, and I believe that God is blessing and, and growing because we serve under such incredible leadership. And so even though Pastor Allen, our lead pastor, is not here this morning, I just want to give honor to him and to Pastor Kathy, um, because everything that happens here, you know, everything that happens here comes from their leadership. And I want you guys to know, as someone on staff, they're the real deal. I mean, they really are a genuine, have a heart for God. Um, their goal is not to build a mega church and to get numbers. It's just to see people come alive when they learn about the truth of Jesus. And so it's just an honor to be a part um, and to serve under them. Pastor Allen is in Thailand this morning on a mission trip. And so he'll be back next week. So if you hate the message today, please come back next week because he'll be here. Um, but I'm just really excited to, to have the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, and as I was praying and preparing of what the Lord wanted me to talk about, I kept thinking about the phrase, dealing with difficulties. Dealing with difficulties. And, you know, something that we say every single week here is that we have a prayer and praise card in the seat back pocket in front of you and to fill it out and put it in. And, and we truly do, as a staff, look at every single one of those prayer requests week after week, and we pray over every single one, and, and that's a beautiful thing because we love to agree with you and pray with you, but it also helps us kind of get a pulse on what's going on in the congregation, and whether you've gone through maybe a difficult time in the last month or the last year, we've recognized that whether you're a new believer or you've known Jesus for a long time, there's a lot of people going through some difficult stuff, and if you're not going through it right now, then I know you have before. And if you haven't before, you're lying, because we all have. <laughs> and so this morning, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to talk to you about dealing with difficulties, because I believe that we, in our human strength, we deal with difficulties in a variety of ways, but there's only one way that God wants us to. And I was inspired with this verse. It's Romans 5, 3 through 5, and it says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I love that. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Dealing with difficulties. And difficulties can mean a variety of things to you this morning. Maybe 
A difficulty looks more like a trial or an issue or a sin that you've been struggling with. And I really got the inspiration for this message dealing with difficulties because I am recently married. Woo! I'm excited to the best looking man who's seven feet tall on the front row, um, Richard. And I, and I share the difficulty portion with you, not because anything's wrong with our marriage, but because if you don't think you have an issue with selfishness or pride or you want to be right all the time, just get married and God will really want to put his thumb on that for you. Um, he did for me. So that being said, you know, through our marriage, we made the decision really early on that we didn't just want to let marriage happen to us. No, we wanted to strive for an exceptional marriage. And that takes intentional work. And so something that we decided to do upon getting married is that we decided that every Monday is what we call Marriage Monday. Marriage Monday. And some of, some of y'all laugh because uh, we go, we do a live stream on Facebook and we just talk about some of the things we're learning in our first year of marriage. But the whole point of that, it actually has nothing to do with the live stream. The whole reason that we do this is because we have heard from people who are much wiser than us and have been married longer than us that a lot of times it's the small things that turn into big things. Like Song of Songs talks about it's the little foxes, right? And so we said, well, what's something that we can do? What's a practice that we can do to make sure that we try to catch all the small things that we can so they don't have the opportunity to turn into big things? And so every Monday night we intentionally spend quality time together And we go over our five topics of the week. And I'm going to share them with you. And I promise there's a point. So just hang in there with me. Some of y'all are like, I'm not even married. This doesn't apply to me. But I want you to stay with me. So every Monday, we evaluate the past week and we bring to each other a strength. What is something that we've noticed we want to celebrate and cheer on about our spouse? What's a strength? What's something we want to see more of? And then we bring a weakness. What is something that's maybe just driving you crazy, right? This also opens up the door for an opportunity to talk of, hey, I've, I've recognized that you kind of had a, a quick fuse this week. Like, is something going on? Something going on at work? Do you want to talk about it? Or it could be as simple as last week, Richard was like, can you please just put your hair straightener away? Because I always step on the, on the outlet cord and it hurts my foot. And so we bring, we bring a weakness, right? It's the little things. And then we talk about an area that needs improvement, What's something that we could do to operate just better together when you're living with someone? So we talk about, hey, we were exhausted this week. Let's guard our calendar better next week. Or, hey, maybe we should try to figure out a system to do laundry where it doesn't spoil, right? So we talk about that. And we bring those things to each other. We're intentional about noticing those things during the week. And we bring them to each other. And the last two is that we do a spiritual check-in. We say, hey, what's God talking to you about? What, what do you feel like you're hearing from the Lord? We pray together. We ask what we've been learning that week. And lastly, which we say is for married people and married people only, is a sexual check-in. Hello. Happy Sunday. You're here. We have a great kids ministry downstairs. I hope your kids are taking advantage of it. Um, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one for obvious reasons. But, again, the little things become big things. So if you've been married for a long time, you still need to have conversations about that. Right? And so we talk about all of these things because we know if we don't and we're not constantly in a posture of wanting to grow and be intentional with each other, the enemy is going to try to drive a wedge between us. That's his plan, right? And so that means that we don't just talk to each other about the good things. We also have to kind of swallow our pride and, and talk about the hard things. 
And I share that with you because I believe that this practice is so important, not just for those of you that are married, but with any relationship, it takes work and intentionality. And the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. And a lot of us, we know God and we love God and we'll celebrate him and sing praises to him. But a lot of times we don't really talk to him about some of those weaknesses or those areas that we need improvement. Maybe it's a a mistake that you made or a sin that you continue to repeat. Maybe it's a, a dream that you had that you really thought would come to pass by now. Or maybe you thought you'd be in a different place than you are currently. And what happened is that we, we didn't really talk to God about it. We didn't really bring it to him. And so what's happened is that the enemies had the opportunity to drive a wedge. And again, you still love God. You still know God. But we're not experiencing the depths of intimacy and in that relationship that we could. In the same way that we can just operate fine in our marriage, but we couldn't really experience the true depths of that relationship like we could if we were intentional in communicating about it. Are you tracking with me this morning? So this morning, I just wanted to talk to you about dealing with difficulty because, again, there's always something. There's always a little bit of a difficulty, a little bit of an issue, a little bit of a sin that we don't want to talk to God about. And so there's this area of separation. And this morning, I believe that God wants to restore that area of your life. I believe that he wants to heal this area for you. And so right now, before we dive into the message, I want you to close your eyes right where you are. No one's looking around. Close your eyes. And I want you to think about the moment that occurred where you doubted the goodness of God. Maybe you lost a friend or a family member unexpectedly. Maybe you had been praying about a certain relationship or job or financial situation and you haven't seen that come to pass. Maybe it's a sin or an issue that you've struggled with over and over and over again and you've just given up on the fact that you might be able to stop. There's a moment or an issue or a situation that occurred in your relationship with Jesus where we all of a sudden began to doubt him or lose trust in him. And I want you to think about that and keep that in the forefront of your mind. And I'm going to pray over you and then we're going to dive into the message. But Lord, we love you today. God, I know this room is full of people who know you and love you and people who still aren't really sure what all this is about, but... Lord, I know that your heart is to have an intimate relationship with us. Not just us to talk about you from a distance, but Lord, you want to be a part of everything going on in our lives. The good, the bad, the strengths, the weaknesses. And Lord, right now, I just pray your healing hand over every single person. Lord, whatever this issue or trial or difficulty or doubt may be, Lord, I pray that right now you would begin the restoration process for them because you're able and you're worthy. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise. Amen. Amen. Okay, everyone take a deep breath. You're like, wow, this is getting heavy real quick this morning. But this is important. And so I want to talk about it. And so to help you lighten up a little bit and to maybe put this into a new perspective for you, because a lot of times when we have this difficulty or this issue that we don't really want to talk about or look at or think about, um, we kind of get into denial about it. So I want to help put this in perspective. Has anyone ever been angry at somebody before? 
Yep. Yeah, 100%. And I love the way that people deal with anger in different ways. Like some people blow up. Some people like shut down. Some people are like, I need 10 minutes to gather myself before we talk, right? Like some people um, really want to talk about it right in the moment and other people just want to sweep it under the rug. Like everyone processes their anger a little bit differently. And we're reading a book in my small group called Girl, Wash Your Face. And the author talks about three areas that people kind of act when things get chaotic. And I started thinking about this, and I'm like, no, this isn't just how people act when things get chaotic. This is how people act when something doesn't go their way. So if you have a hard time thinking about how you manage your difficulty in your relationship with God, just put that into perspective of maybe how you manage difficulties when you get frustrated with somebody, okay? So we're going to go through the three ways that we, as humans, in our flesh, deal with difficulties. And my hope is that you will recognize or see yourself in one of these three ways because the first step is recognizing where we're currently at okay you with me all right the first thing that we do when we encounter a difficulty or a trial is that we ignore it we ignore it and you might already be like wow this one's me i already know Right? Isn't it funny that we still believe the lie that if we ignore something, it'll just go away? Like some of y'all have a spot on your back that you, like someone's been telling you to go have looked at for like 10 years. And you're like, oh no, it'll be fine. And because you're thinking you're just going to wake up one day and it's going to go away. Right? I, I think I've told this story before, or I could have told it in our student ministry. But when I was little, when I was like five years old, I was out playing with my friends in the woods and I saw a nest of baby birds. And I said, oh, I'm going to take that nest of baby birds home with me. Don't know why I thought that. Don't know why I did it, but I did. Took the nest of baby birds out of the tree, took it home. Obviously, my parents had no idea. Um, And I decided I was just going to mother the baby birds and feed them grapes. And then I realized they couldn't really eat the grapes. So I was like, well, I'll just put the nest under my bed. I'm sure they'll be fine. Okay? Yeah, don't worry. Um, So my mom uh, found out because she came in my room to talk to me. And she's like, hey, Cody. And she hears like, beep, beep. And she's like, what is that? Right? And I'm like, it's nothing. And she's like, what is it? And I was like, it's nothing. And I like start to panic. And I'm like, I've stolen lots of baby birds and they're under my bed. And my mom is like, Cody, like, what was your plan here? You know, like, what what was the plan? And, you know, five-year-old me was like, oh, if I just leave the birds under the bed, I'm sure they'll end up being fine. When we all as grown adults know they wouldn't have been fine. Right? Um, and I really hope that they are fine because I'm pretty sure they're not because you're not supposed to take things from the wild. But I was five and God forgave me, so we're fine. Um, but I tell that story because I think about like, oh, five-year-old me thought it would be fine to leave the baby birds under the bed and just ignore them when we're all like, oh, no, of course not. You can't just ignore that. But we as adults, a lot of times when we go through something, we kind of shove it under our bed and we're like, it'll be fine there. It'll be okay there. And we believe the lie that something's going to change on its own without any work on our part. And unfortunately, this is what happens when we get disappointed in God or in other people. We think if we just ignore it or shove it under the bed, it'll go away. And the reason that we do that, the core of why we do that is because we don't want to put in the work to actually deal with that issue. I mean, think about it. Think of how embarrassing it would have been for me to come to my mom and be like, hey, you know, I I need to talk to you. I took these baby birds. I put them under the bed. That would not have been a fun conversation. In the same way that finding the birds and addressing it, like we would have had to call some animal person to like put them back in the wild. I don't know anything about this, so I'm so sorry if you are passionate about this. You're like, oh, you'd do A, B, and C, you bird killer. But um, I don't know what you'd do, but it would take a lot of work, right, to deal with it. And a lot of us, 
ignore an issue or a difficulty because we don't want to have to put in the work to deal with it. And when we ignore it or refuse to recognize it, we rob God of the opportunity to build us into who he wants us to be. Okay? And let me explain that because a lot of us in here, again, we know God, we love God, and a lot of you have dreams, big dreams, big aspirations that that God's put on your heart and you want to see come to pass. But God has to develop us and build us into the person that he's called us to be before we can usually step into that destiny, right? And a lot of times the trials and the difficulties that we walk through are so God can build us and develop our character, develop strong character in us. You know, again, to our verse, Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance helps or develops strength of character. Develops strength of character. And this is so important. You know, I love what Christine Kane says. She says, talent will get you in the door, but your character is what's going to keep you there. And a lot of us are ignoring issues and pushing them under the bed and saying, God, why am I not there yet? And he's like, because I need you to deal with this so I I can build you up and develop you into the person that I've called you to be so you can then step into that. God wants to develop us. And so when we ignore it, we avoid our opportunity for growth. If you ignore your development, you'll end up ignoring your destiny. So we have to address these things. You know, I think of of Joseph in the Bible. You know, God gave him a dream when he was 17 years old. And that dream didn't come to pass until he was 30. Why? Because God had to develop the character of him before he was going to be able to handle the dream that God gave him. And God loves you too much to put you in a situation that your character can't handle. So we have to deal with these things. So maybe you find yourself relating to this. You find yourself like, yeah, okay, I do. I ignore things. And I'm not growing. And I'm not where I want to be because I won't deal with this. Maybe you're like, no, I don't ignore things. Maybe you're in the second category, which is that you try to control it. You try to control it. I'm going to be honest. This is me all day long. This is me. Any, any control freaks in the house? Okay, only three of you raise your hand, and that's because the rest of you are prideful and you don't want to raise your hand. We'll get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to it. But you try to control things. And this is the group that doesn't ignore the situation but believes the lie that I can handle it on my own. God, I don't want to bother you with this because I've got this. And a lot of times, this is a subconscious thing. We're not intentionally like, no, God, I don't want to come to you. We don't even think about it. We're like, oh, there's an issue. I'm going to fix it. And the people that fall into this category are typically the ones that believe the lie that they are what they do, that everything is performance-based, that I have to do A, B, and C in order to achieve this. If I work hard, I'll get this. If I do this, that means I deserve that. And so you're in a constant posture of working and striving and achieving and hustling and doing and getting there. But the problem is that when we do that, we're relying completely on our own strength. Right? We know this. We know this. We know this verse. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We can say that in our sleep, right? But how many times does a situation occur and we're like, hmm, how can I fix this? Okay, I'm going to try this and this and this. And really what happens is that we're just putting a Band-Aid on an issue and we step back and we're so proud of ourselves. We're like, look, God, I took care of it. I'm good. I didn't need your help. I I don't have to bother you today. 
And what happens with that? Is that the actual issue underneath, if you needed stitches, a Band-Aid's not going to fix it. Right? And again, this is the root of this, the root of people who want to control things, is pride. It is. It's pride, because pride says, I can, and I will, and I'm capable, and I'll prove myself, and I don't need help from anybody else, and I'm going to get this done, and I'm not going to have to ask anybody, and everyone's going to be impressed by me, and at least I haven't done this or this, because I'm doing this, and that's pride. Because we believe the lie that we are enough, we are capable without help from the Lord. And what's humility say? Humility says, I am nothing and he is everything. I was an orphan and now I'm adopted. I was blind and now I see that there is no amount of work or striving or performance or achievement that I could ever do that will make me feel satisfied because my worth and my value and my confidence comes from Jesus because I am absolutely nothing without him. So I don't have to strive. I don't have to try because I can trust him and he's capable. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to do my work. He's completely capable all on his own. That's what humility says. And I love this verse in Matthew 23, verse 12. It says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I've never read this translation before, but as I was doing research, it came up on um, on the Internet. It said the passion translation of this verse. And this says, remember this. If you have a lofty opinion of yourself and seek to be honored, you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself and you choose to humble yourself, you will be honored. The first group of people dealing with these difficulties and issues says, I'm going to ignore it. And so we rob God of the opportunity to develop us and work in us. But the second group of people says, God, this thing happened, but I'm going to fix it myself. And what happens is when we try to fix the situation ourselves, we rob God of the glory that is rightfully his. Because again, what happens is if I'm working hard to control a situation or fix a situation, right, then I'm putting a Band-Aid on it and the real issue isn't being fixed. But what happens is people see that Band-Aid and they say, oh, Cody, you did good. Look at that Band-Aid. Right? And so then I get the applause. But what happens is if I have a humble spirit and a humble attitude who isn't too prideful to say, God, this is the situation and I don't know what to do and I need your help and I need you right now. I need you to come into this situation. I need you to give me clarity and tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. And then God heals the situation. He gets the glory, which is the whole point, right? So maybe you identify with this group. You try to control things. So either you're ignoring it, you're trying to control it, or the last one is that we drown in it. There's a situation that happens, and we drown in it. And I'm going to be honest, you guys. Last service, um, I sang the lyrics to a song that I heard a snippet of at a football game, and uh, come to find out it's actually a very inappropriate song um, it's the song, I, I feel like I have to tell you, it's the one that says, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Ain't nothing gonna keep me down. You know that one? Yeah, don't look up the lyrics to that, and I'm sorry I sang it because it was apparently really bad, okay? But you get the point. <laughs> you get knocked down, and you get up again, 
right? And I actually had someone last service be like, no, that's a great song because they're saying they got put down by sin and now they're back up and headed to Jesus. I said, I love the way you think. I don't think that's what they meant, but I love it. Um, so that, but all that, that's fun to say, right? Like, oh, I get knocked down, but I'll get right back up. Or, you know, life runs over me like a bulldozer, but I'll just keep on going. But it's a lot harder to actually do that, right? It's easy to say, it's hard to do. And what happens is the root of the people who struggle with this is that they typically have a victim mentality. And I want to talk about this today. This is something I really felt like the Lord wanted me to address today because a victim mentality means that you believe that everyone else's actions are the only reason that you are where you are. And that is a lie from the enemy. And we see this all throughout the Bible. You know, I think about Saul, right? He's down there with the people, and, and Samuel goes up to talk to the Lord, and, and Saul's down here, and, and he burns the offerings, and Samuel comes down, and he says, Saul, what have you done? What, what were you thinking? And he said, well, you took too long, so I had to do this. It literally says, you took too long, so I felt compelled to do it, so it's actually your fault. Right? That's what victim mentality is, is that every other person played a part in me getting to where I am without taking ownership of yourself. And so if you feel like you struggle with this, if you feel like you take on this mentality, I want to share two things with you. I want to encourage you to do two things with that today. And it's evaluate what you've contributed and compare your feelings to God's truth. Evaluate what you've contributed and compare your feelings to God's truth. We have to take ownership of the things that we have contributed. You know, I think about Joseph and the story of Joseph. You know, his, his brothers throw him into a pit and fake his death. And from the outside, it's like, wow, his brothers are terrible. Which, I mean, they shouldn't have done that. They, they're not right in doing that. But what you don't see is that beforehand, Joseph had a dream that his brothers and everybody were going to be bowing down to him. And so he taunted his brothers with it. He said, hey, one day you're going to be bowing down in front of me. And then his brothers got really angry and threw him into a pit, right? And again, it's not saying that his brothers were right, but if you're going to spend time in the pit, you might as well evaluate what got you there. If you're going to spend time walking through a difficult season, you need to look at yourself and say, what have I contributed here? And how can I be better in this situation? Evaluate yourself. And the second thing is to compare your feelings to God's truth. We cannot trust our feelings. In fact, a majority of the Bible and God's commands is to do the opposite of what you feel like doing, right? If Richard and I get in an argument, let's say, let's say that Richard starts the argument, right? And then I lash back out and I pull up stuff from 10 years ago and I'm like, you did this to me. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not apologizing because he started it and I don't feel like apologizing. You can't trust your feelings, because if I were to compare those feelings to God's truth, Ephesians 4 says, instead, be kind to each other and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. doesn't matter how I feel, because what God tells me to do is right here, and it's pretty clear. You have to compare your feelings to God's truth. And I mean, we see this, we see testimonies and such encouraging stories of people doing this the right way in the Bible. I mean, think of Paul in Philippians. It says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances he's in jail. If anyone has the right to complain and whine about their feelings, it's him in jail. Right. 
And he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. The glory goes back to God, not on how he feels. And again, I think about Joseph. You know, when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers, it was his brothers that threw him into the pit. Yes, he contributed. But his brothers threw him into the pit, faked his death. And when Joseph had the opportunity to see his brothers again and to say, I told you so, I'm going to banish you, whatever, he could have done anything, right? And I love what Joseph says. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, and then he, he goes above and beyond to his brothers. He says, hey, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. I'm going to tell you what, if someone threw me in a pit, that's probably not how I would be talking to them, right? In my flesh. But wow, what an incredible testimony. Imagine if these people had a woe is me attitude. Imagine, imagine if Paul was in jail, in prison, saying, Oh God, you must not love me. You must have given up on me. I guess I'll just sit here in jail and cry about it. And my life's over and it's ruined, so I might as well just sit here until you take my life. Right? But instead, we have this powerful testimony where his hope is found completely in God. Christ died so that we could be made whole and our hope could come from him. I love, I love what 2 Corinthians says. It says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies as a testimony. Have you ever met someone who went through a really difficult time, maybe lost a family or friend or went through a tragedy, and they went through the mourning process and you talk to them and they say, yeah, I don't really understand this circumstance, but I know that God's faithful. I know that his intent is not to harm me. I know that he's good. I know that he's trustworthy. And I might not understand this circumstance, but my hope and my trust lies in him. And I love him. Anyone ever met anybody like that? What a powerful testimony of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so when we drown in our problems, instead of dealing with them, we deny the victory that Jesus has already won. He's already won it. In this verse, it says, we are perplexed, but not driven to despair, hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Why? Because we share in the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may be seen, the victory, the hope. That's why. And so I want us to focus back in this morning, because I don't want today to just be a day that you hear the word and you go home and you continue on with your everyday life. I believe God really wants to do some healing here today. And so I want you to focus back in on that trial or that difficulty or that sin that you thought of when you closed your eyes. And I hope that you recognize one of these ways that you've currently been dealing with it. 
Because God doesn't want us to deal with our difficulties in any of these ways. What does God want us to do? He wants us to bring it to him. And I know you're like, wow, we just sat here for 30 full minutes so you could tell me to bring my problems to God. I already know that. And yes, I did because we're not doing it. We're still not doing it. God uses everything in our life. Nothing is wasted. Not any prayer answered or unanswered. Every tragedy, every victory, every relationship, every opportunity, every season of waiting, God uses it. But we have to put it in his hands in order for him to use it. I want you to picture this this thing that's kind of caused a wedge between you and Jesus. And he doesn't want us to throw it under the bed and ignore it. He doesn't want us to try to mess with it like it's Play-Doh and fix it up the way that we think it should be. And he doesn't want us to be crushed by it. He wants us to hand it over to him and to trust him. You know, in James it says, Consider it pure joy when you endure trials. Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So if I have the opportunity to work through something, if I have the opportunity to have God mold me or shape me in some way or provide victory so I may then be lacking in nothing, I want that. I want to do that. Again, God wants to use this, use this difficulty to build your character, to be used as a testimony Think of how many other people might be going through a situation that you're going through, but then you come out on the other side and think of what ways you could encourage others through that difficulty. He wants to prepare us. And it's about so much more than just knowing God. He wants our hearts. In Matthew 15, 8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Don't allow the enemy to create a wedge. And God promises that he'll meet us right where we are, right? And James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so this morning, before we leave, I want to I just pray over you and whatever this situation may be, because I believe that this could be the moment that we admit what we've actually been doing to try to deal with this difficulty and take that action into putting it into God's hands. And then we're going to stand and sing a song that I want to encourage you to sing by faith that you trust God and that he is bigger than anything you're going through. This week, as I was preparing this message, I talked to Courtney and I said, Courtney, I, I feel like the message is going this way and I just, I'm not sure what song would be great. And she's like, I've got it. I know exactly what song this congregation needs to sing and declare. And so we're going to sing that. But before we do, I want to pray over you. Would you bow your heads this morning?